Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thin Air Podcast. You know, I just made the decision I'm not numbering these anymore. So, welcome to Thin Air Podcast, this one. And for this one, I'm back in the garden. Every podcast I've recorded so far has been recorded in the garden. And uh, the last one I recorded was, well, it was in the spring, really. It was um, many months ago, it seems. And it's funny, when I was recording those podcasts, I was sitting in the greenhouse, usually meditating or playing my flute to all the little tiny green seedlings and little things coming up. And the entire year was stretched out ahead as an unknown. And every morning just getting to participate in this happy, growing environment uh, with, the, with the rains and the water and just the whole world that that was. And I spend a lot of time uh, just being present and meditating and doing whatnot uh, in the garden. And then pretty much this entire summer, I really, I mean, I've been out here to water. I've definitely hung out here quite a bit, but not kind of in the same, like, close to the plants, contemplative type mindset. Uh, the summer, things are easy. Everything's doing what it should. You know, all you really have to do is do water. There's not a lot of little maintenance, you know, when you have little young plants growing. Uh, there's a lot more that you need to do to ensure their survival. But once they're established and they got their roots, man, they're hard to knock over. All you have to do is spray water on them. And I guess for that reason, and kind of paralleling that, I mean, my life and time during the summer, I think most of ours, just kind of becomes this happy, well, if not happy, at least just, you know, sunny, warm, forward march towards whatever, you know, everyone's in a generally good mood, it's, I don't know, summers are easy as opposed to winters in these transitional seasons, but I guess what I'm getting at is that now I'm here back in the garden, and what I'm doing is ripping out all of these plants, all of these little friends that I planted in the beginning of this year that when I recorded my last podcast I was watching them in their unsure unstable state uh, you know giving them almost uh, almost obsessive amounts of care and now here I am and the activity that I'm that I'm engaged in right now is uh, harvesting what I can from the remaining plants and pulling the rest out so uh, it's kind of interesting uh, my wife and I have been talking, Kayla and I have been talking about Halloween lately because it's coming up and it's that season and how, you know, we kind of celebrate Halloween in whatever way, you know, it's a party, it's this and that, but we don't we don't ever really meditate on the real sense of the season and all these ghouls and ghosts and things. It's uh, It really is just a total meditation on death, you know, and all the ghouls of death and all the <laughs> whatever else. It's uh, really that paying attention to that side of things and celebrating it. Um, and so here I am in the garden and I'm, you know, destroying all of these things. I mean, they're on their way out anyway, but I'm, I'm pulling them out because that's what needs to be done. And I thought kind of a cool parallel here, because, uh, you know, we have Halloween and we have our imagery, you know, kind of this, uh, what you'd call morbid, like, fascination that, uh, has been celebrated in our uh, western side of things, but in the east, uh, I'm, I'm speaking primarily about India now and kind of the 
I don't know, the generating seed for the religions of the East, you know, more or less. Um, but uh, the Vedic Hindus, they had three, three gods mainly, and principal among them, or, you know, at least, you know, on par with the other two, which was Brahma, Brahma, <laughs> Brahma Vishnu, and then the third one, which is the one I want to talk about, is Shiva. And uh, a lot of people in Hindu and uh, in India uh, are Shivists. You know, that's their principal deity. That's the one above all others that they set, you know, as a center of their meditations. And what's interesting about uh, Indian philosophy is that even though it's pantheistic, so there are multiple what we would call gods, what's important to remember is that in that system, that's not really how it works. Um, in, as far as their thinking. You can worship anything, and that's the, the divinity. And every time you notice the divinity somewhere else, that's another personified um, character to, to make and to talk about. Getting a little bit off topic here, but... Um, ooh, and I'm pretty stoned. Well, I've noticed I'm pacing, and maybe I should get back to... Uh, the work that I was doing, because that's really where this, this meditation comes from. Um, Shiva, Shiva dances. Uh, Shiva is in the, in the trinity of the uh, Vedic Hindus, um, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. Brahma is the creator, or the generator. Uh, Vishnu is the preserver, and Shiva is the destroyer. So we have creation, perseverance, and destruction. And that creates a full circle of the world, and, and that includes our human experience. And so in order for that to be a perfect circle like it is, you know, because something, there has to be that kind of gatekeeper between the void, the nothing, and the something, which we uh, presumably are now participating in, this uh, whatever it is that there is at all. Uh, there has to be some gatekeeper between the is and the isn't, and that is the generator, that's the Brahma. Next to that, once, once that pattern is, just comes into existence in whatever way, I mean, just the fact that it can be and is, is the role of Brahma. But then, once it is in the field of time, it's in, principally, uh, the hands of Vishnu to preserve it and to create, you know, to continue that creation. You know, all, all Brahma's doing is basically letting things in or letting, or, you know, keeping them out. But as soon as they're in, it's Vishnu that is is that itself, if that makes sense. It's, um, you know, the very fact that we have all of this amazing, detailed, intricate beauty around us is because once whatever this is came into being, it continued, you know, and it, and it continues now. And that's, uh, that is the Vishnu side of things. And the last one is Shiva. And remember, this is a, this is a cycle, you know, this can't, you can't have from plus to minus and then that little skip to go plus to minus again. You know, you have to have that full circle. Things come into being and go out of being, and that's what makes it a circle. But um, a, a big, you know, a third of that circle is this aspect of the, the destructive, which uh, in our culture we kind of personify that as the devil, or, you know, the antichrist, the, the creator of all that is impure and all the destruction and the, you know, the things that we don't like, because we're in this mythology of ours were on the side of good and against evil. We don't look at it as a wheel, we look at it as two sides, and a, and a right and a wrong side at that. But um, here we have, 
a recognition that for there to be a cycle, which, you know, there's, <laughs> if you really think and feel through it, you know, cycles are everywhere. Cycles are the rhythm of our day, the beating of our heart, the changing of the seasons again and again and again, this constant renewal, renewal. I mean, in like even if you want to talk scientifically, with every passing moment, your body is a different physical organism, you know? Like whatever it was is gone, and now there's this new something in its place. And that's happening again and again and again. So there's that cycle, you know? And um, in the West, it's a shame because we, we try and sit on one side of the wheel, but you can't do that. It's spinning whether we want to admit it or not, or whether we want it to or not. But uh, Shiva, as this celebrated... Lord of Destruction, which, which interestingly enough, is the Lord of Sex as well. The, the Lord of like regenerative procreation is the same as the Lord of Death in this system. Pretty cool to think about. <laughs> so death and sex, these two orgiastic, you know, all to the wall, you know, <laughs> vivified experiences here personified in this one deity. And at this time of year, uh, pulling out all these little plants, you know, I mean, if, if you're on a cellular level and this plant I'm about to pull out, I mean, you are sitting next to a couple hundred of million, hundred million of your neighbors, uh, neighboring cells. And as soon as I, you know, make that decision and pull that weed or this, you know, tomato plant, whatever it is, you know, in that decision, those hundreds, you know, all those little individuals are going out, you know, they're, <laughs> it's the way of things. And that is so that next year I can plant a new tomato plant to take its place. Or I won't even have to because the seeds that are everywhere now in these tomatoes, uh, those seeds are, are next year's <laughs> new lives. So that, that whole circle of things like right here is perfectly displayed. And it's, it's interesting that in, in, our side, in our side of things, even though when I say our side of things, I'm talking about the West primarily. I'm talking about uh, the Judeo-Christian Muslim worldview, the, the good and the bad opposed to each other as a, in uh, differentiating that from the Eastern side of things where things are viewed as cycles and all of it is to be embraced. Although, you know, no one ever says that pain doesn't hurt and that pain isn't, you know, something that we cringe from. You know, there, I mean, it's not that... Uh, let's see, getting off my train of thought, which is pretty easy to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why I, I always feel these subtle urges to drum out these differences um, between, you know, because the, the, the big thing is, is that in our culture, it's not that I have anything against Christianity whatsoever. I think it is a beautiful symbol system that leads a lot of people to great experiences. I mean, there's a lot of, if you want to put it in a bigger context, you know, social issues that, that is raising for us at this, in this point in our history. But I'm not saying that Christianity is bad or wrong or less of a, you know, a great thing. But in this, cult, in, in this culture, our culture, we uh, just kind of grow up with this Christian idea, whether we want to or not. And then once we get to a certain age or a certain you know, some mental maturity where you can think and reason and you're actually making these decisions, what do I believe, you know, and kind of setting that in your programming, so to speak. Um, in this culture, we have Christianity, which shows us this plus or minus God or devil, you know, this or that view. 
And it's, what's funny to me is that, that pe certain people aren't satisfied with that because they see a bigger picture, they see more, or whatever, and they, they want to step past Christianity to something else. But because that's the only thing they've had their eyes on, that we've all had our eyes on is this plus or minus, that right there we have this idea that you're either Christian or non-Christian. And from that is like, you know, well, you're, you're either with God or you're godless, atheist. And it's just such a shame because uh, so many people have taken up atheism with the same vigor as Christianity. It's almost like the mirror image of Christianity is really... <laughs> Uh, this is totally from Alan Watts, but he makes fun, you know, of an atheist. There, there is no God and I am his only prophet, you know. There is no God and I can see the way that it is or whatever. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, that is accepting Christianity again by, de by default in, in your uh, denial of it. But, uh, you know, with a, a broader lens... You can take in some of these other these other uh, ideas and systems of thought. I encourage anyone to copy and read um, the Tao Te Ching, a, in a, one of the primary texts leading to Taoism, Chinese Taoism. So something that actually developed completely separate from the Hindus and the uh, Vedic Hindus. But um, pick up a copy of that book, the Tao Te Ching, and just, I mean, flip through it. It's not telling you that if you read this, you're, you know, believing one thing or not. Or that if you uh, find wisdom... What am I trying to say here? Um, this book is... Uh, well, I, I just... I, I dare anyone just to pick it up and read it. It's um, very short. You can pick it up. I mean, each one... It's almost like reading poetry. That's kind of the beauty. It says very little. It says so little, but just points your minds in subtle directions that you have to think uh, your life critically. Or not even that. Hold on. Stand by. I'm going to snip this little... Gosh, and here I am standing on my soapbox. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, I mean, one of the things is I don't talk about this much because I really don't think that there's a right or a wrong side. Everybody is on just the side that they, right where they are, you know? There's no other way that they could be. Or at least there, no other, there is no other way that it is. So, it's funny when I get speaking about these things, it's just like... <laughs> I have information that people could benefit from, but the information is that there is no in information that you need. That's what I'm trying to tell you, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to rally to that cry because the cry is that there is no cry, and the cry becomes to stop worrying about which symbol system you subscribe to because all symbol systems are exactly that; they are symbols that stand for the world, but they cannot, by definition, by actuality, they cannot be the word the world itself, you know. I am picking this little plant that we call, it looks like kale, you know, we have a word for it, and so it becomes kale, but it's not that word, it's not the sound kale, it's whatever this little thing is, this deeply beautiful, intricate, I mean, I'm looking at this, you know, just perfectly formed little leaf, leaf structure, I mean, all the little cells, everything just going as it goes in harmony, I mean, I have the word kale for this, I mean, what kind of a disrespectful kind of monkey am I to, to think that because I gave it a word that I possess it, that I understand it, 
you can take anything that we have a word for and look at it, and you look at it long enough and you realize that you have no idea what it is or how it got there. You know, everything, it's the, it's the mystery of everything. Behind every word is the mystery of everything. So, you know, our word God, it's the mystery behind God. It's not the word, it's not the symbols, it's not this is what the Bible says and these words are true. I mean, how does a word have truth? If I say the word water, is it true? I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> and taking what I just said, even if there was a puddle of water right in front of me, we could all agree that it's water, and I pointed at it and said, this is water. Is that true? Like I just said, the word water is, is a noise that we've made. It's a sound. It's a, it's a, you know, a little sonic package that we exchange with each other to draw each other's attention to whatever that thing is, but it's not water. So, I mean, you take that further, that's, that's the whole subscribing to a symbol system vehemently, no matter what it is, whether you're, you know, Jewish, Muslim, Catholic, any denomination of Christ Christianity you want to pick, whether you're a Zen Buddhist, whether you're a Hindu, whether you're anything, any, and whether you're a tribesman living on the plains and worshipping whatever else, no matter what culture you want to look at, we're all put in the same situation that we have symbols, we have words, but we're trying to communicate an experience. It's, a, it's this. Whatever it is, you know, it's the experience of looking at a little leaf and not, you know, not knowing how it got there or by what means it grew. <sighs> I'm getting, I guess, worked up, but I think you guys, I hope you guys kind of see what I'm getting at. And so what's my rallying cry? It's to stop and look at leaves. <laughs> It's to look at anything, to look at everything, but to really look and not think that you understand it and not let you fall into that trap of putting your own words in front of things and thinking that that <laughs> is the truth of it. You know, stand in where you are, sit wherever you are, just look around and feel that way. It's not hard. You can look at anything and realize that <laughs> the mystery of it being there is the same mystery as yourself being here or anything else anything you want to look at and that's kind of the idea of you know the one light shines through all things or whatever words you want to put around that but that, that idea, that feeling you know I mean I could say that same thing in as many different ways as we have words that come up for it in different languages, through song through anything to communicate that idea and it would sound different no matter how you heard it, where you heard it from, but it's, it's ideas to point you in that direction for whatever that means to you. And uh, on that note, I mean, whatever it means to you. <laughs> whatever that means to you is what it is, you know? Because you don't have anyone else's experience but your own. So when someone says the word yellow, and you think about that, you feel it, you see it, or tree or anything else, the way that you think about that and feel about that is what it is. That is how it exists to you in your world. And for that reason, each and every one of us is creating the definitions for all of these things to ourselves. And we all kind of coexist and we all kind of, you know, think and feel and do the same things in the same ways. 
more or less. But each and every person is directing the show. Or at least they're, they're, they're filling in the outlines. Another, uh, another biggie that I just, gosh, it's been, it's been kind of hard for me to like really just focus on and think about. But, uh, you know, in the beginning of this year, uh, Kayla was pregnant. And all throughout the summer, as the plants grew, she grew as well. And in the fall, we harvested our baby along with our beans and tomatoes. And in him seeing all of these things that I'm talking about now, you know, a new life comes into the world and it can't even focus its eyes. It can't see anything. It's just a wash in this ocean of, you know, whatever senses it has, you know, maybe subtle changes in light or sound or smell or whatever it is. I mean, these kind of come from nowhere and slowly waltz into existence. And for that, for that child, you know, those, those imprints, those initial starting sensations are the definitions. With each new one gets a new recognition. And whether, I mean, because right now Huxley, you know, two weeks old, or I'm sorry, two months old, you know, doesn't have definitions for anything. Even if, it's, even if he can see like outlines and hear noises, he has nothing attached to it as far as his mental recognition. Because that's really what a word is. It's, I've seen you before, you know. But you can't say I've seen you before to everything because what's, what's you? You're going to get mixed up. So you give, I've seen <laughs> plant before or, you know, dog before or wall before. You know, like all of these things that we interact with. We give this name for our own convenience of discussion, for our own convenience of connecting the dots. You know, it's the labels on the dots. But just as everybody connects their, you know, a static set of dots in a different way, everybody has different dots, you know, different things that they assign to different experiences, different, I mean, they're getting different experiences. It's just this whole web of differentiation, you know, this progressive differentiation. And when you see uh, Huxley look around and he's two months old, he's starting to kind of recognize certain things, sort of, you know, he'll look me in the eyes like... (laughs) He's had these weird black dots just kind of floating out in space throughout his entire, like, coming into existence. Everyone looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. And these little dots, these faces, I mean, faces are ingrained into us. That's the first thing we, we grew up seeing. So now when I look at this house and I see two windows, I see a face. You know, I look at the front of a car, I see a face. You can see him in the trees, you can see him in the rocks. There's faces everywhere. You know, I mean, that's, that's one of the first things, or if not the first thing, we learn to identify. Uh, hey, mama, dada, like I know you, I recognize you, those two dots, that face, whatever it is, like that's how I know it's you. And this is the word I have for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of word, vomit, word vomiting on whatever theme comes up, but ah, uh, you know, this being kind of this, this, I started off talking about death and I went all the way through and here I am talking about Hux again and all of us kind of recreating the world in our own time. And in our own time, we will go out of this world in the same way. You know, you come into this world and time is slow and everything is just what it is. And you get into this midlife or, you know, starting at about 24 through question mark, I don't know. You just get kind of into this pace. Time's going faster and faster. You're not even noticing it. And then before you know it, you're at the end, you know. There's a lot of people in... uh, in my world right now, you know, getting older, friends getting older, they're, you know, (laughs) loved ones getting older with them. I mean, you're kind of riding that next crest of the wave and seeing that cycle go out. 
And it's the same as pulling the weeds, or not the weeds, but the, the plants in the garden. It's the same as, you know, making that the, the bed, the perfect little bed that it needs to be for that next generation to grow. You know, if you let these, these, I'm sorry to say it, but the truth is these, these old, dead, withered plants that everywhere are just hanging and they're dead. And you know that they're dead. I mean, they're not fully dead, but they're pretty much there. And my job here as gardener is to pull them out so that next year, the next generation can bloom. And it's that whole cycle of things. And it's a beautiful cycle because you couldn't have any one of them without the other. You couldn't have that beautiful, fresh new life and the whole beautiful play of what life is if that life didn't end at some point. Because that's what makes it the symphony of circles. Well, if anyone was ever, or if anyone was able to hang on to that bucking bowl, <laughs> I know I got thrown a couple times just to my own ability to <laughs> think in a straight line. But um, I'll probably leave it at that. So, for my beautiful little dead spot in my <laughs> end of the season garden. I uh, wish you all the best in life. I wonder if this recorded. It did.